Good morning, and it's good to be back with you. And if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 14, verse 12 through to 26. Mark 14, starting to read at verse 12. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house that he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparation for us there. The disciples left and went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened. And one by one they said to him, Surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. And when he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity we have here to gather around it. Father, but we pray that you will just clear our minds, clear our hearts, remove that which would distract, and let us hear not the voice of man, but your voice as you speak to us through these words. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Mark chapter 14, Uh, just before we look at this, I thought we'd just recap and remind ourselves of some of the events during the last week of Jesus before his death. Jesus arrived in Bethany six days before the Passover. Now, this was the place where Jesus would be anointed by Mary. Sunday is the day that we remember as being Palm Sunday. Monday, Jesus clears the temple. Tuesday is a day of conflict and a day of parables. Thursday was the Passover meal, and Friday is the day that we now know as Good Friday. Our passage this morning took place on the Thursday, and it then it went on into Friday, as Thursday would have ended at sunset. You see, the Jewish day would start at sunset and then end with the following sunset. So in verse 12 we read, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb. Jesus' disciples asked him, 
Where do you want us to go and make the preparations for us to eat the Passover? I want to stop for a moment here and I want to ask a question. And here's the question. Why did Jesus want to celebrate Passover? And why did he celebrate it in this way? The answer is that he was completely obedient to God's word. Until after his resurrection, the way to serve God was through the law. The law that had been passed down from God to Moses. And Jesus kept that law perfectly, right up to his death. In his humanity, Jesus demonstrated his obedience and his faithfulness to the ways of God, the ways that had been laid down by Moses. And at the same time, exposing how the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the rest of the the teachers and leaders, describing how they had distorted God's law, and so misleading the people in the ways of the law, And they also had constantly been accusing Jesus of breaking the law when what he was actually doing was living by the law and showing the people how they should be living by the law. But all this was about to change. But the change hadn't happened yet. So in the meantime, Jesus would celebrate the Passover as God had ordained it to be celebrated. I want us to notice here how the disciples didn't ask Jesus if they would be celebrating the Passover. They knew by his lifestyle that he would. They only needed to ask him, where would it take place? Verse 13 to 16. So he sent two of his disciples telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters. The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, furnished, ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Luke tells us that the two disciples were Peter and John. They had been told where to go and then they were told to prepare for the meal. Now Jesus has already made provision and it appears that the disciples were not aware of the arrangements that he'd made. Now this is reminiscent of the time when they didn't know the arrangements that Jesus had made for the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. They didn't know until he told them what to do. We know that Jerusalem was a dangerous place for them. And Jesus might have been protecting them on a need-to-know basis. We know that God works in a mysterious way. And we don't always know why things are happening but we don't always need to know why things are happening. But we do need to be like the disciples. When on those occasions, what did they do? They trusted Jesus completely. They obeyed his words without question. Words that must have seemed to them to be 
strange requests, a little bit out of place. On the Friday, it was, go and fetch me a donkey. And now on the following Thursday, it's, go and look for a man carrying a water jar. It was a very strange request. In those days, men didn't carry water jars. That was a woman's task. The city was full of people. It was crowded. And they were asked to go into that crowded city. It was Passover time. People from all over the world had gathered. And to look for a man carrying a water jar. It's not a usual thing you would see. But they went. And they saw him. And they were told, when you see him, follow him into the building and ask the owner of the house, where is my guest room? where the teacher may eat the Passover with his disciples. It's lessons for us there, isn't it? Lessons for us to learn. We don't always know what's happening. We don't always know what's going on in this coronavirus situation. We don't know why it's happening. We don't know how it will turn out. But you know we need to trust because what we do know is that God is still on the throne and he's still in control. So let's be encouraged by this. Let's go to verse 17 and 19. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve, and while they were reclining at table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. Before we look at that, I want us to spend a few minutes considering the Passover meal. You know, we in the West are familiar with what we might call the wedding breakfast. On, on that occasion, dishes are served in a certain order. Speeches would be made at different times. And glasses would be raised at the appropriate intervals in order to toast various people. So let us just keep those thoughts in mind as we spend these few moments and consider the Passover meal. It would be conducted to a certain set-down protocol that needed to be followed. And the underlying reason was to give thanks and praise to God for his deliverance and salvation of his people when he led them out of slavery in Egypt. They were delivered from slavery, from bondage, bondage, and they were to be led towards the promised land. This was a sacred feast. Now, we're quite familiar in our day now with hand washing. <laughs> we do it a lot more than we have done in the past. But for the Jewish people, hand washing was very important. It was a ritualistic observance and this would have been done during this Passover meal at certain times. The food needed to be roast lamb, unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They were reminiscent of the night that the, uh, the Israelites were told to prepare for that journey out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. Other foods would have probably been eaten along with these foods, but the roast lamb, the unleavened bread and the bitter herbs needed to be there. There would also be four cups of wine and they would be taken at um, stipulated points throughout this meal. 
Understand that before the second cup of wine, the story of the Exodus would be told. Maybe they read the scriptures of that account. Maybe they would talk about it amongst themselves and remind themselves of those uh, the, the days of their forefathers. And also, the halal would be sung. Now, the halal is Psalms 113 through to 118. And if you look at those psalms, they are all songs of praise, and they would have been sung at appropriate points during the Passover meal. There will be a second cup of wine that would be taken with the breaking of the bread. And it's thought that after this will be the time that Judas leaves. Then there will be a third cup of wine, as more of the halal would be sung. And so the meal would have been eaten. Then there'll be a fourth cup of wine taken, and again the singing of the halal. Why don't you uh, sometimes... Get your Bible out and read those Psalms, Psalm 113, 14, 115, 116, 117 and 118. They're not very long and it won't take much time, but it might give you a feeling of the atmosphere that would have been there during this Passover meal. We know that sometime during this time that Jesus spoke these words, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they were saddened. And one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. Well, these words would have shocked the disciples. They were hearing them from Jesus and they would have been surprised and they were saddened. The questions they asked would have been something along these lines. Is it me? Well, no, I know it's not me. Is it him? But I know, if it's not me, it must be one of them. Mark and Matthew tell us that they each said, Surely not me. Luke tells us they discussed it among themselves. And John tells us that Peter asked John to lean across and ask Jesus, Who is it? And what we do know is that it must have upset them all. Let's go to verse 20 through to 21. It is one of the twelve, he replied. One who dips bread into the bowl with me, the Son of Man, will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Notice here that Jesus does not name Judas. He knows it's Judas but he doesn't name him. The betrayal by Judas wasn't a spare-of-the-moment thing. We see that from Scripture. It was premeditated. It was his decision to do what he did. He planned it. He went to the authorities with his plan. And it was done for personal gain. And he was also given opportunities to change his mind. In John 13, verse 27, John tells us this, As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So, Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. This is the point where Jesus graciously gave Judas the bread. 
And Satan came into the heart of Judas and snatched everything away. In his heart, Judas had never truly accepted Jesus, and now his hands had taken the bread, but his cold heart was rejecting the final opportunity to repent and believe. We'll probably think about that a little later down in this passage, but let's go to verse 22 and verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. There's so much in this short section here. It's good to just quietly read it again and think about it and imagine yourself as being the disciples and hearing it for the first time and maybe being confused by it and not understanding it. When Jesus gave thanks for the bread and the wine, he introduced what is known as the, the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. And it was giving a whole new meaning to how we would praise and thank God. Things are going to change, and it's a big change. This was an introduction to the new covenant that would surpass the old covenant that they were still involved in now during this, this, this Passover meal. And here... Jesus would ordain that in the future, this new way would be how those who follow him would remember him, would praise him, and would thank him. And at the time, the disciples wouldn't realize the significance of this. But soon, it would be of great importance to them, as it has been to Christians ever since and is to us today. It's more than likely have gone to our verses here that they were feeling like this as they left this supper that they've been celebrating and went to the quietness of the Garden of Gethsemane to continue to pray. Now, next time we're going to look at this next section, but in the meantime... Let's just consider these things that we've looked at this morning. Let us just turn them over in our minds and read the passage again as we remind ourselves of what we've heard this morning from God's Word. I just want to finish with 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. This is what Paul said. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
you know, we are looking forward to the day when he comes or to the day when we can be with him in glory. But in the meantime, we in our situation now look forward to the day when we can be back in our building, meet together around the Lord's table and to share that time of fellowship together. Let's just pray. Father, we just come before you now and we thank you that we can gather around your word, but we miss meeting together in person. During this time, keep us together, keep us united with you and united with each other. Strengthen us and encourage us. Preserve us till that day when we can meet together around your table in person. And suddenly, Lord, we ask that you will remind us of one day, one day you will return and we will be with you. Keep us watching, keep us prepared. In the meantime, let us rest in you. As we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.